Welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. I'm John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we're looking at Minute 97. And that begins with Mother saying, T-minus 10 minutes, and ends with Ripley and Jones scrambling down a corridor. And once again, we're joined by artist, musician, and user experience interaction designer Christoph Nemeth, who's here to continue to give us pointers on designing systems to blow up spaceships. Welcome back. You know, if that was my job, I'd be pretty happy. What, designing systems to blow up spaceships? Yeah. yeah. I, awesome. what, what kid doesn't want to grow up to do that? If only yeah. we lived in a universe where that was a job. There was a reason to employ people exactly. to do that, just blowing up spaceships. Yep. It seems pretty excessive, but <laughs> it would be a lot of fun. Well, uh, we jump into this crazy 97th minute, and the momentum just starts to really go nuts. We've got steam or carbon dioxide venting into the corridors. We've got klaxon horns going off. We've got alarms. It's making sure everybody knows that the ship is counting down to blow up, right? But are you sure? Yeah. yeah. So Mitch, are we past our quota of 2.5 sounds that we can register at one given time. Oh, the Walter th- Murch thing? The Walter Murch thing, because it's interesting. I I buy what he said. I buy anything Walter Murch tells me. Walter but, Murch, just to be clear, made an assertion in, I think it's in the, in the Blink of an Eye book that he wrote, that the ear can only handle 2.5 sounds in a movie. So when he does, was he started out as a sound editor before he became a picture editor. And he would say that, so if you have three distinct sounds they'll clash mm-hmm. and they'll be lost and the effectiveness of the sound design will be, you know. So I don't know. I, sp- I assume we have, you know, footsteps. We have the alarm going off. I don't know if mother's talking or not. We've probably got breathing. So I don't know. There's a lot of sounds well, going on here. I don't know which ones we hear, though. The reason I ask, though, is that in this particular case, isn't cacophony to our advantage? Like, isn't to the filmmaker's advantage to have this cacophony? Maybe it's as we're struggling to absorb all the sounds that we can't quite register mm-hmm. yeah. or our anxiety builds, right? Yeah. That's another tool that you could use to build anxiety in this moment. Which is something that when I was looking through these minutes again, was noticing how the sound design changes to build the tension in this particular shot. How so? It gets really quiet. Really, and it gets and and as the it's it's happens when she gets to right about the corner of where the strobe starts coming in, and there's no other sound except that tick 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 yeah. tick 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 yeah yeah so less maybe more right that in this day and age where it seems like we're just completely overwhelmed with sounds and explosions and everything else when we go to the movies that there's a very precise number of effects audio effects in this movie and and that's kind of why i like the way 70s movies right sound too but i do agree that before that alarms going off steam shooting out mother harping at us her heavy breathing that's the the cacophony of that is part of what's building that intensity absolutely it seems to me they're building us up to this high level of anxiety mm-hmm. Only to bring us down for a minute, Mm -hmm. maybe let us relax for just a second Mm -hmm. before then really throwing it at us. But that's the next minute. I don't want to get too far ahead, but I think that's part of the purpose here for how the sound design kind of ebbs and flows. I agree. And there is one of those great impassive zooms again, right? Yes. Of the the four cylinders that have been raised up and the camera just kind of starts to zoom in on him but before it actually lands on anything mm-hmm. they cut out of the zoom and this is a trick that he he plays a lot through this movie 
Yeah, earlier they they did it with the space jockey, for instance. Right. Um, and it's an ominous shot. You know, you're getting uh, clearly he's implying this is this could be a threat. Mm-hmm. Something about this is a threat. So now the threat has become of her own doing, and it's the ship that she has called home for some reason. Right. I think it's interesting to then mirror those two things together. Yeah. Well, this is another one of those moments too, where I just want to point out that the way that we go through the hall. The corridor, it's either the camera's on a dolly, so we're still moving, but it's smooth, or it's handheld, and it's either handheld approximating her point of view, or tracking back with her, or following her. And so the more jittery it gets, the more anxious we feel. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, you know, augmented by all the crap in the air and right smoke and everything. So then we wind up on this, um, this shot where we actually are able to see Jones the cat, right? Yeah, she goes up a ladder way, yeah. which is interesting, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> she comes up through a ladder way. She emerges in a nice little shot. Yeah, this super close shot of, of Jones frame right, kind of out of focus, and then we come in and we see her hands and we see her eyes peek up over as she's coming out of there. And apparently there's no hole. They didn't have enough money to oh, even no. have a hole in the ground. So they built up those, you know, if you see that there's kind of a buttress along the the ladder way that she puts her hands on and she kind of peeks up over and i guess she's actually crouched kind of on her side and her legs are are down under the ladder because right. it's flat down there there's no down down wow. to go so she's just kind of faking it to try to convince us that she's actually pulling herself i didn't know that yeah isn't that wild well, that's very she cool did an excellent job she did more great physical acting from sigourney weaver my question about this is i have two questions so jones is cat carrier is sitting on the edge of this ladderway entry right we never saw her put him there right am i crazy i, I just don't remember but listeners if if we did see that and i missed it feel free to yell at me on facebook the other question is do we believe that ripley would so haphazardly place jones on this precipice that could fall <laughs> right. how many levels in another version of right. this movie we know that there are multiple levels to this ladder way. I don't think Ripley would be so reckless and, with her best friend, Jones. And she had just gone through all that trouble to get him in there. Yeah. yeah. Right. Why yeah. She could set him on the floor. Any cat owner would, would understand <laughs> that. So it's got to be, right, to help sell this illusion that he's higher than she is and she's raising right. up. And Maybe. there's this oh, whole like, right. sense of trying to create this vertical space. I got another question uh, as far as the cat is concerned. Every cat I've ever known isn't really cool about being in a box, yet he's super calm yeah. in that particular shot. And you would, I don't know, it would, I would imagine there would be a lot more tension in that animal. Yeah. Is that a soundproof box that it's in? Cause you'd think know, that right? cat would be hearing all these crazy exactly. sounds and everything else. Yeah. I've got a theory. Yeah. What's okay. that? In the future, they equip cat carriers with some sort of like Valium spray. That just <laughs> <laughs> so if you're moving from, you know, one side of the country to another, you got to have the cat in the car. You just calm it with a soothing mist of. Cat volume. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. actually that's pretty smart. I because there's no way right. you know getting on with the minute a little ways. There's no way that Jones isn't freaking out during this run down the hallway either because mm-hmm. she's swinging him around pretty <laughs> right. crazily. Yeah, of course, adding a cat sound there. The cat sound that we're all imagining right now is usually for comedic effect. Right. Not, <laughs> so it wouldn't really work very well for a scene right. like this. So. I think that's the practical, the actual yeah, reason that, that makes not sense. hearing anything from Jones. In the future, but, they've solved this problem. Yes. 
Unless you have anything about this specific 60 seconds, we could take a minute, I guess, and talk about the director's cut here. Yeah. We kind of have to. This is one of the biggies, if not the biggest, director's cut change. So for those of you out there that haven't watched the director's cut, this minute is split basically right down the middle by a very big scene where Ripley comes down the ladder way with incinerator unit in hand into a room of which we have never seen prior to this. And I would say notably, it's a different looking room altogether. It's lit differently. It doesn't even really match anything else we've seen. Even the landing claw room is better lit. It seems less Mm -hmm. dark and ominous. So she lowers down into this dark golden room and searches around for something. I assume looking for the alien in the corner and she hears a noise and it is Dallas still alive, cocooned up against the wall. Um, Brett also. Uh, I don't know where to go. For well, there's a, there's a long conversation in the script, in right? Novelization in the script, there's a conversation she has with him, which really wouldn't have worked. Basically, she wants to save him. She says she can get him up to the medical unit. And he says, no, of course, that's not going to work out. And he asked her to kill him. And that's the culmination of the conversation. In this case, she's just shocked and appalled at what she's seeing. She notices Brett. We get a little probably 80-yard bit where she says, Brett, when she sees him, because who would, else would, how else would you know? Because it doesn't look like Harry Dean Stanton to me. doesn't look like anybody. And then she proceeds to incinerate her presumably former lover, Dallas. Or at least her captain. At least her, at the very least her <laughs> captain. At the very least her captain. And the right, engineering savant right. of the Nostromo. And the engineer, like, you know. Yeah. So what do we think? What do we think about this one? You had not seen this before. I hadn't, and I think uh, after watching the section of that we're going to be talking about of her setting the destruct and then running down and taking care of business the way that she does, it certainly, at the very least, interrupts that tension, and um, it just seems unnecessary. Right. Right. The mystery of what happened to those dudes is resolved by them being taken off into the depths of the the ship, right? It's like meaning that it doesn't really matter if they got eaten or cocooned or whatever, they're gone. Right. You know, and... And nobody's going to get saved or it's like, that's not going to happen in the story. And the other thing about just the continuity of the, especially the intensity of that we just described in the prior minute suddenly she's in this like more calmer state where she's in this room where that thing could come jumping out at any moment. It's like, it's like it just fits in at a different time. Like maybe if she would have, you know, come across this on the way to the engine room before she had the, 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 right. The Cause it doesn't, it doesn't right. top anything. Does it? Not, no, not it a bit. doesn't move anything forward. No. It doesn't tell us anything about who she is and it doesn't deepen any thematic ideas. In the right. movie. So it kind of, it kind of three strikes and it's out. Doesn't do any of those things. Right. Yeah, I would argue that even if the, if you placed it, so if you placed it before she uh, goes to the engine room, just to activate the self-destruct, you're kind of stacking two moments, right. similar moments on top of each exactly. other. You don't need that because she would be coming from seeing Parker and Lambert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, becomes, it would right be just a big seeing, horror show. It's like, yeah. he's he's dead, she's dead, he's cocooned, he's cocooned next to him. Right. And, you know, again, you're not really getting anything for that. And one other thing about that, and you had mentioned it, the way that it's lit and it sort of kind of looks cheap. Yeah. Like that set just looks cheap, especially there's a real beauty in that prior scene of 
them being attacked while they're getting the oxygen bottles. Yeah. And the the way it's lit and the shadows and the, the tension of those moments, you just don't need that other scene. I mean, yeah, to, to the me, physical space is really special. Mm-hmm. To me, the major flaw of throwing this back into the movie, we've now moved on mm-hmm. to Ripley versus Alien. Right. This movie has become Ripley versus Alien. We're there. We're settled in. Mm-hmm. We've moved into a... We got the shaky camera, the handheld mm-hmm. stuff, the frenzy, the cacophony of the sound design. All these things come to a screeching halt. We lock the camera down again. We light the room differently, and mm-hmm. we have this moment with these people who we thought were gone already. Right. What, I don't... Never before I saw the director's cut or even after, did I give a shit mm-hmm. what happened to these people anymore. Right. Sorry, I mourned them when they yep. died, <laughs> and I moved on, and so did she. And yeah. it's now all about her, and why right. am I stopping? It's really, in so many ways, it's just a terrible addition. Well, I had known about this moment because it had been written about when the movie first came out, and I think, as you said, maybe it's in the novelization or in the graphic novel. It is. But, it's um... So I remember when I saw Aliens and there was a reprise of this that I, I, I liked it in Aliens. Mm-hmm. I thought there's something there's something about it, especially because it's I mean, we've all seen that scene in other movies, you know, where I don't know, the, the cowboy has been shot up full of arrows and they know that the, you know, the Indians are going to come scalp him or whatever. He's like, kill me, kill me now. Right. It's very melodramatic, <laughs> but it fits in those action kind of movies. And mm-hmm. since Aliens is an action adventure movie, it's not really a horror movie it kind of somehow fit better in and, in that. And it allowed for an expansion of what the capabilities of those creatures were. Exactly. In and, a movie where that's right. entirely what the movie's about. Precisely. Yeah. And in this one, it the, the, the tension of the film wasn't about, oh, who am I going to see cocooned up here? It's, is that thing going to jump out at me? Because that's what the MO of the thing is. And so taking it there... It just convolutes it. It, yeah. it. it ruins that purity of purpose that that creature has. It's funny. It's it's almost as if Ridley Scott, having now seen Aliens, decided to go back and undercut that reveal <laughs> and a bit of information from Aliens and throw it. Well, actually, it was my idea. It was our right. idea first here. And it's a new idea with a new bit of information in the third act of a movie. It doesn't need to be there. Yeah. Uh, it's the worst time to be adding this new bit of information and, and I'll give early a, on in the movie in Aliens. And I kind of see where they could try it and where maybe it came from because there is always this... A good screenwriter always wants to bring a new idea to the third act. You want to have one new idea and that to make that third act shine a new different light through the diamond. Well, we're going to get that later on. You know, We're going to get that yeah. the last 10 minutes of the movie. Right. So we don't need one right here. Okay, let's talk about structure for just a second then. Because I consider the last 10 minutes of the movie to be a fourth act of the movie. I don't really consider that to be the third act. Do you consider that to be the third mm. act of the movie, Mitch? Don't you think this is the... Th- we're in the third act now. Yeah, we're in the... Th- it's all the third act. You think? Okay. I, did, I consider that to be kind of an epilogue fourth act thing. I've read a few places where it's considered that, but I, I understand what you mean. It, it, I mean, I, it can I, be part of the fourth act. It's a new act. sequence. It's, a fi- it's the final sequence of the movie. After the ship blows up, there's right. a final sequence. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it was an act. Okay. But, you know, that for me, like, that whole three acts or five act structure thing, like, for me, it pretty much comes down to the first act is the setup, the second act is complications and the third act is the payoff beginning yeah. middle and end and then beyond that it's all about sequences and scenes well with that being said the new idea that they brought to the third act to me 
is the self-destruct. That's plenty yeah. of a new That's idea a pretty for good me. idea, yeah. yeah. I mean, you've, you've added idea. this new, whole new level of tension we haven't had before yeah, in and a beautiful the, design. And, and it's her against the alien, too. That's a alien. new idea as well. Right. Agreed. So that's two new ideas already, and we're going to wind up with the third one when she gets on the shuttle and the mm-hmm. damn thing's on there with her. So that's good, too. I guess that just keeps illustrating how unnecessary that yep. that yeah. scene was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anybody else have anything else for this minute? I don't. Chris no, but I think that I, touching upon that concept that I just said is as editors, as creators who always have to keep in mind what is unnecessary in a, in in our vision. Being able to get rid of something like that must have felt great at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like wow, look how much stronger it is without it. So I'm confused as well as why that scene would have been brought back in, other than hey, here's something different. Yep. That's yeah, which is the whole strategy yeah. of this director's cut. It's yeah. all just like, we're just going to stick a bunch of stuff in that we cut out before. And yeah. frankly, when you see the whole thing, you realize that the movie was better. The other version yeah. was better. And Ridley Scott taking a small jab at James Cameron. Very <laughs> very possibly, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's going to do it for minute number 97. Uh, Christoph, did right. you want to give a shout out on your websites again? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find some of the musical creations that I am involved in uh, on the Facebooks underneath the uh, URL of facebook.com slash emmalinetwistkc and facebook.com abandonedbellskc. And I want to say about Abandoned Bells that you called it Night Americana? Night Americana. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want some Night Americana, <laughs> check out Abandoned Bells. They're really, they're really, really good. And you can find us at alienminute.com or follow us on Twitter at alienminutepod. Uh, we're on Instagram at Alien Minute Podcast, and come over to our Facebook page if you haven't already, and join in the conversation. Uh, we also have a T Public site that's T Public slash Alien Minute, and uh, we'll give our weekly shout out to the Star Wars Minute. Thank you guys again for loaning us this concept. Uh, everybody, listen up there, and go over to moviesbyminutes dot com and see the other of our uh, Brotherhood of Minute podcasts and Sisterhood uh, and Sisterhood. I, I wasn't meaning. Okay. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow for minute number 98.